It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about Astros outfielder Justin Durden, Orioles infielder Jordan Westberg, and where did the Vanderbilt pitching pipeline go? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And this is your episode. All questions in every Mailbag Monday we do come from listeners of the show. If you have a question for a future Mailbag Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Lockdown Farm. You can email us, LockdownMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the Lockdown MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Community full of baseball fans. Probably the best way to interact with all of us, all of the everydayers who listen to the show. First question comes from that Discord. Team Hess in there had a question about Justin Durden, the outfielder for the Astros. Said he hasn't really heard a lot about him after spring and how's everything going. And this is, this is kind of emblematic of those guys that were undrafted in 2020, which Justin Durden, kind of like Matt Mervis, is one of those guys. So last year, Goes to double A Corpus Christi and absolutely rakes. Justin Durden's 92 games, 324, 411, 616, 20 home runs, 57 extra base hits, 41 walks to 94 strikeouts in 92 games, so just over once per game, and 7 and 9 on stolen bases. And gets a late season call up to Triple A Sugarland. It doesn't go amazing, 242, 305, 398 because he's having to adjust to the approaches. We'll get to that in a second. This year, uh, 35 games back in AAA Sugarland, 266, 340, 489. Not a ton of improvement on the batting average, 25 points. Uh, on base, 35 points, a little better. Slugging almost 100 points better than when he was in Sugarland last year. He's got six home runs, 16 total extra base hits, including three triples. And for a guy that has pretty decent speed, He doesn't steal a ton of bags. He only attempted nine last year in, you know, 120 games. But it really does impact when it comes to stretching a single into a double, a double into a triple, scoring from first on a base hit in the gap, things like that. Uh, and, And part of the issue that he had to learn was he has above average power, but his approach is a little bit flawed. And... When you're in college, especially when you're facing a lower level of competition, he started off at Eastern Carolina, transferred to Southeastern Missouri State. You have, the, you have the ability to hit more mistake pitches than you get in professional baseball. And so when he got into AAA Sugarland last year, he had to deal with uh, pitches that were close to the zone, near the zone, ex- expanding the zone, uh, you know, messing with his approach to try to go out and get a ball. Now, he's very good at making quality contact when he gets on, he gets on a ball. And he's really good about getting it up in the air. The Linos, line drive rate, fly ball rate, that's all pretty good. But as he faced better pitchers, they got better and better at not letting him have a barrel. So he's getting a little bit better with that. Still slightly aggressive, but it works. The power, I think the, the raw power is plus. It's probably going to play down a little bit to above average 
in the big simply because of some of the flaws in the approach. But, you know, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. The everydayers have heard that a million times. But I really like what Justin Durden can do. Speed's above average. Again, you see it on the base paths, not so much on the stolen bases. The arm is above average. He could play center field if you needed, but he feels like he's a tailor-made left or right fielder. Obviously, you've got guys like Michael Brantley who aren't going to be around that much longer. You've got guys like Jordan Alvarez who you don't want to play in the outfield. So you've got playtime. You've got a guy in AAA who's hitting pretty well. Give him some time to get used to these more MLB quality approaches you see in AAA versus the, the development approaches you see in AA from those pitchers. And I think he'll be able to help your ball club in Houston. Another question, and this comes again from, uh, from our Discord. This is from Brian. Asked about Blake Sable of the San Francisco Giants. 2019 seventh rounder out of Southern California. Was a Rule 5 pick by Cincinnati from the Pirates organization. And then was traded to the Giants. So obviously, Rule 5 means he has to be up all year. He, you know, and he, He's getting playtime. He's played in 31 games so far at the MLB level this year. 277, 333, 468, five home runs, eight extra base hits, six walks to 39 strikeouts, and two for two on stolen bases. And the big thing about Blake Sable is he didn't get a ton of time in AAA in Indianapolis. He was with AA Altoona for most of the year last year in the Pirate system. He had 98 games in AA, 25 in AAA. So he, in essence, went from AA to the bigs with a new organization as a catcher, which is hard to do. And he's playing other places on the field. We'll get to that in a second too. So last year in those 123 games, you can kind of see the foundation of who he is, right? 284 batting average. He's at 277 this year. So remarkably close. 363 on base last year. 333 this year. You see where that's close. 497 slug last year. 468 this year. So Everything is just a little tick down, but in the same ballpark of where he was in the minors last year. 19 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 55 walks to 129 strikeouts, 10 of 12 on stolen bases. So the walks haven't been there at the big league level like they were at the minor league level. The strikeout rate still hovering just over one a game. And the thing about Blake Sable is he's more so than a lot of the guys we talk about on the show. He's just a ball player. He's one of those guys where his power is probably average to above average. His hit tool is probably right around average. He's slightly below average on speed. The arm's not, you know, fantastic. The defense behind the plate isn't necessarily great. Like he struggles on blocking laterally, things like that. He is a good framer. Pitchers like throwing to him. And he has utility outside of just catching. He plays some left field as well. Uh, you know, and and... So he's divided his time between behind the plate as a backup and left field. I want to say he's got 21 games at catcher. He's got 10 games in the outfield, and he DH'd one time for the Giants this year. Uh, it's He's the kind of guy you need guys like this to have a major league roster. Is Blake Sable going to win you a World Series? No. Does he have the ability because he does have a, you know, a little bit of pop he can get it. He can get a ball to all fields. Um, can he come in and be and be an impact guy off the bench? Be a backup catcher. Perfectly valuable. He's a utility guy. You love that kind of thing. Uh, the struggles that he has being a full time catcher. I think the swing has some holes in it. 
Uh, he's he can, he can get got by velocity up in the zone. He struggles a little bit with spin off the plate, things like that. But I'm very happy that he is up and he is playing every day. I or not every day. He he's getting regular play time in the bigs because again, Blake Sable is the kind of guy you want in your organization because he's going to make the floor higher for your team, especially a good team analytically like the Giants that understands platooning and is very good about putting guys in a position to succeed. So happy for Blake Sable that he's with the Giants. think he'll be up. Uh, I expect him to keep him. I expect him to be up all year, keep him, and probably not go back down next year when they can send him back down like the Tigers did with the Kilbadu. Probably keep him up. In just a minute, I've got a question about Jordan Westberg of the Baltimore Orioles, as well as what Cincinnati does at shortstop, and one of the many Dodgers outfielders. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Add your ride to their My Garage feature and look for the green checkmark to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only able to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Okay, Chris sent us an email. Reminder, if you have an email for the show, it's literally the name of the show, prospects at gmail.com. Chris sent us an email. What will it take for Jordan Westberg of the Baltimore Orioles to get promoted? And you know, that's a really good question. Um, so 2020 first rounder supplemental out of Mississippi State. And part of this is there's just so many middle infield and corner infield options for the Baltimore Orioles. And he mentioned in the thing, Gunnar Henderson scuffling a little bit, playing third. Jorge Mateo, he doesn't mention this, but Jorge Mateo has slowed down at shortstop from the fantastic performance he was putting on early in the year. I know that because I got him in redraft, and I'm looking for a new shortstop. Shout out to our friends over at Locked On Fantasy Baseball for helping me out with that. Go listen to Matt and Dom, they're great. But last year, Jordan Westbrook gets 138 games between AA and AAA, and most of that is double as double A, 91 games. Bats 265, 355, 496, 27 home runs, 69 extra base hits, 70 walks to 147 strikeouts, and 12 of 15 on stolen bases. This year, he goes back to AAA Norfolk, and he is absolutely raking. 316, 388, 618, 12 home runs, 21 extra base hits. 17 walks to 41 strikeouts, four for four on stolen bases. So you can see the strikeout rate. He's striking out more than once a game. He did it last year. He's doing it this year. Higher level of competition, strikeout rate stayed about the same. Defensively, he's he's doing a lot of different stuff in AAA. 13 games at third base, 16 games at short, four games at second, three games in right, and a game in left. Like, literally, they're trying to find every single way that they can get him into a game. Uh, somebody who, not, not, none of his tools are plus, but everything's average or above average. Like, he's not bad at anything. So, 
speed above average. He could play short. I don't think he's going to be, he'd be great at short, but he could play short. Uh, he has a good enough arm to play third. He has a quick enough hands to play second. Obviously, he has the aptitude to kick out to an outfield corner and play that at least an average level. Offensively, he still struggles a little bit. You can see it by the strikeouts. Uh, he's really kind of struggling with sliders down and away. Still a thing that he hasn't really been able to fix. And if you watch as you go back through his time in the minors, he'll struggle and then he'll kind of, it'll click and he'll start to take off. He'll struggle, it'll click, and he'll take off. And so the end of the year last year when he's in Norfolk, it's not bad, but it's still lower than his career norms. And then boom, it clicks and he takes off, given the stats he's doing this year. I don't really know when he's going to get a chance to be up and stay up. I don't feel like they're going to move on from Gunnar Henderson anytime soon. Obviously, they may demote him for a little bit, let him work on some stuff and come back. But they're really invested in Gunnar Henderson. They really think he can do well, and obviously they're thinking about the Adley Rutschman Rookie of the Year stuff, and can we get a draft pick or something like that, you know, for, for Gunner doing well. So they're kind of invested there. I think you may see some action at the trade deadline. They may move somebody like a Jorge Mateo out of the system, and if they do that, Westberg, because the bat's hitting so well, he's a candidate to come up and get some time. Uh, same thing if they move an outfielder. There's a lot of outfielders. We talked about Colton Cowser just the other day, but obviously he could uh, play some corner outfield as well. So you're probably having to wait for, uh, for, we hope it doesn't happen, but an injury or some sort of transaction unless he just keeps destroying AAA Norfolk because a 618, I mean, a 1,000 OPS in AAA is going to get you called up eventually. So keep doing what you're doing, Jordan Westberg. Keep murdering baseballs, 21 extra base hits in 37 games. I mean, let's go. Keep doing that. Focus maybe on getting to walk a little bit more. So you get that magic three, four, in this case, six slash line. And hopefully we'll see you in Baltimore sooner rather than later. Question uh, from Zach via email. What happened to Jose Barrero? He asks. And uh, it, has he been replaced by Matt McClain? And I think the issue with Jose Barrero, we knew Jose Barrero's offense wasn't great. I don't think we knew, and we, and we knew his power wasn't going to be that amazing. Like, we knew his power ceiling wasn't very high. It was, his defense was really good. And when you look at him this year, he's gotten 34, 35 games in Cincinnati. Uh, 233, 304, 330. He's not walking as much as you thought he would. He's drawn 11 walks in those, 30, those 34 games. Uh, he's hit one home run, eight extra base hits. You thought he'd have a little bit more doubles production off of this. So the slugging's pretty low. The OPS is below 650. And then Matt McClain, who rocking a 789 slugging right now, 267 uh, batting average. It's, it feels like the offensive ceiling is higher for McClain. And I'm even a person who's not convinced that Matt McClain's the final form of this infield. There is a, there is runway here. And, I think Christian on YouTube asked us about this. Like, what's stopping the Reds from just calling up a bunch of the kids and having McLean at short, Elvie De La Cruz at third, Christian Encarnacion Strand at first, Jonathan India at second, Spencer Steer as your DH and utility guy? And honestly, I don't really know what's keeping them from doing that. It's, it's something where as these guys get in there and kind of take over in AAA and hit really well, obviously Matt McLean made a prospect team of the week. 
got called up just about immediately afterwards. I think between when we selected him and when the show came out is when he got called up. But uh, it's something where they're trying to slowly work these guys in. And I make, I'll make the same point here that I made in tomorrow's show with Paul from Locked on Rockies. So the everydayers, stay tuned for that. Is it's hard sometimes to figure out when a guy is ready for the bigs and needs that test of the bigs versus when he needs the like to continue developing in the minors. And it typically comes down to uh, is the next developmental milestone, like is the approach sound? Do they need to work on dealing with the quality of MLB pitching or the proper sequencing that MLB pitchers get? Or are they still having issues with their own approach uh, the, and the way that they do things? So Matt McClain made it up before Ellie De La Cruz. De La Cruz is one of the guys that we talked about, batted over 300 with a strikeout rate over 30%. Not incredibly sustainable. We've seen him do a lot of work, especially in the month of May, to raise the walk rate and lower the strikeout rate. So it feels like he's coming pretty soon. Christian Encarnacion Strand probably would have already been up if not for the fact he had the back injury to open the year. So I think by the end of the year, you'll see all of these guys up there. You won't have, I mean, Spencer Steer's playing first base right now, and we know he's better utilized as a utility guy who can cover first and second and third and probably a little bit of shortstop if you asked him to. So you're, go- you're, you're going to get there. They're just taking their time and doing them one at a time versus all at once. So you'll see that. You may also see a transaction where maybe they move a guy like a Kevin Newman who can play defense but is another light hitter like Jose Barrero. Maybe a Jose Barrero too. Do they move some guys as we get closer to the trade deadline to shortstop needy teams? Uh, Get an asset because the Reds have done a great job of getting assets and trades. You may see something like that first and then when that happens, them bringing up the kids. We'll see what happens there. Question about Jose Ramos of the Los Angeles Dodgers. This came from Barry on Twitter. And he, he asked about, like, does Jose Ramos have a path to playing time in L.A.? Because they have a ton of outfielders in the system. And then obviously, at the big league level, Mookie Betts is one of your three guys, and he's not moving. And it looks like James Outman's one of your three guys, and he's not leaving anytime soon. And I think for Jose Ramos, so 2018 IFA, I think the big thing for him is I don't think he's going to be a starter anyway. Something where the, the defense is good. His arm is fantastic, but his offensive approach is so lacking. And I know he's hitting well right now, but like, and the power's real. I mean, 125 games last year in the low minor, split between A ball and high A. He hit uh, 249, 339, 479 with 25 home runs and 53 extra base hits. He also struck out almost 170 times. And the thing with Jose Ramos is. Like the, the 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 raw power itself, the bat speed, the swing, all of that's really good. He just can't recognize a breaking ball out of the hand. And if he gets as he gets into the higher levels of the minors, he's doing okay right now in Tulsa. Thirty-seven games, two seventy-one, three seventy-one, five twelve, nine home runs, thirteen extra base hits. But he's also got thirty-eight strikeouts in thirty-seven innings, uh, thirty-seven games, because. He struggles to recognize spin. He's getting better at it. But I just have questions whether or not he's going to get to the point where you can even project him as an average hit tool. To me, the ceiling for Jose Ramos is probably because the arm is so big, 
and he could be an above-average corner defender and probably average in center, I think you're looking at a ceiling of a fourth outfield type, a guy that can come in late in a game, replace a slugger in a corner, give you some good defense, maybe get an outfield assist or two a season at the plate with the, with the big arm, because those throws are great. I mean, it is, it is incredibly strong. It is incredibly accurate. It's a weapon. If he wanted the pitch, he probably would be a decent pitcher. But it's just offensively, the quality of the hit tool is so low that I don't know if he'll have a ceiling of it and he'll be regular, especially a team that likes to contend like the Dodgers. In just a minute, we've got questions about Noah Cameron of the Royals, Jefferson Cuero of the Brewers, and Vanderbilt's pitching pipeline, and what happened to it. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at So Rare. It's a new sponsor of ours, Revolutionary Fantasy Baseball Game and Marketplace. It transforms fans into owners. You have officially licensed digital cards with players from all 30 MLB teams, and you own the fantasy experience. You can collect, buy, sell, and compete with your cards. So you go to SoRare.com slash locked on. It's S-O-R-A-R-E.com slash locked on. You draft your team of free player cards. And then you set your seven-player lineup for every game week. There's two game weeks per, per calendar week. Uh, you have to pick seven players. You have a, a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, a corner infielder, and middle infielder, an outfielder, an extra hitter, and then a flex, anybody but Shohei Otani. And you get points, positive or negative, based on how they do in that game week. The higher you come in at the end of the game week on the leaderboard, the better of the prizes that you get. You always get another card to add to your collection, and once a day, you can swap one card for, for, a, for a random assortment of other cards. You get like five choices, you pick which one. But also, the better you do, you get rare cards, you get game tickets, you get autographed merchandise, VIP experiences, tons of fun stuff like that. I, I've been playing so rare most of the season now, my team's gotten pretty good, and I've had a lot of fun with it, and I haven't spent a penny. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, S-O-R-A-R-E.com, to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. So uh, over the weekend, Noah Cameron of the Kansas City Royals got promoted. Nelson in our Discord asked me about Noah Cameron and kind of some of, some of my thoughts. 2021 seventh rounder out of Central Arkansas was a good get by the Royals. They got him under slot because he had Tommy John and lost his junior year at college. And he's got 19 games between rookie ball, uh, A ball, and high A last year. And his performance year over year is remarkably consistent in a good way. So last year, 3.56 ERA and 65 and two thirds innings. 99 strikeouts, so 13.6 per nine, to 16 walks, 2.2 per nine, gave up six home runs. This year, Noah Cameron's entirely in high A. So uh, that is uh, the Quad City River Bandits. 360 ERA compared to last year's 356, to the consistency, 35 innings pitched with 58 strikeouts, so 14.9 per nine. Last year was 13.6, to nine walks. 2.3 per nine. Last year was 2.2. Remarkably consistent. Got bumped up to double A over the weekend. Very excited about that. Has not played there yet. Has no stats. Uh, and the story here is fastball, changeup, curveball. Has a cutter as well. Should throw that more, I think. But 
Fastball sits in the low 90s. He can touch 95 with it. Changeup is fantastic. A lot of places have it as a 60. I think it's a little bit better. Uh, throws it in the high 70s, low 80s. I'd love to see it maybe 82 or so. Uh, really good deception. Blends in perfectly with the fastball. So does the curveball, which is above average to plus. It's an 11 to 5 pitch. Sits in the high 70s. Also has the cutter, so when everything's working, and it usually is because his control is very, very good. You can see by the low walk rate. He's got uh, fastball, obviously stays up in the zone. Cutter, uh, he's lefty, so the cutter breaks to the right. Uh, you have the, the changeup, runs back to the left, and the curveball drops down. Everything comes out of the exact same slot for Noah Cameron. Uh, his ceiling is going to be what does the velocity do and how does he handle better hitters in double A who can make contact with the curveball as the bottom drops out or can recognize it better once it leaves that tunnel? That's going to be the deciding factor on his ceiling, but I'm really excited about Noah Cameron. When you start seeing a bunch of these re-rates come through of the top 30s, you're going to see him jump from the mid-20s as far as prospect rankings for the Royals to probably the mid-teens. Really like Noah Cameron. Question from Brian in their Discord. He also asked the Blake Sable question earlier. Question from Brian in their Discord. Has the Vandy pitching pipeline dried up completely? And I do not think it has. I just think you have more options now for the academically strong school who are really good at pitchers. And I will point you to the boys over at Wake Forest. Uh, if, you, if you go and you look at some of the top pitching prospects in this year's draft, there are a surprising number from Wake Forest. Rhett Lauder is obviously the one we're thinking about, the first-round guy, but you've got lefty Sean Sullivan. Uh, Teddy McGraw is a top 100 guy. Camden Minacci is probably a top 125. Seth Kaner is a top 200 guy. Uh, the Wake Forest pitching lab, them being so public with we have this biomechanical lab that we can use to make you better, uh, has meant a lot of those players who academically can qualify at the tougher school and want to go somewhere private, both Vandy and Wake are private schools, uh, they have multiple options now. And Wake has shown just as much of an ability to get you into MLB as Vandy historically has. So if you are a top pitching prospect who is going to college instead of going pro, uh, Wake Forest is a pretty attractive option to go to. Uh, the Carolinas, closer to the beach than Tennessee is. Uh, the climate's a little bit different, but it's a lot of the same stuff as far as a good coaching staff that knows what they're doing. The competition level in the conference, not as big, good as the SEC, but still pretty good. The ACC will have the second most hosting spots when the Field of 64 comes out. It's a pretty appealing option. So I think there's just more dilution for the top prospects. And then you, you kind of have to acknowledge as well the role of NIL and transferring and things like that. And it's just a lot. And, and plus... A lot of the pitching prospects committed to Vandy don't always make it to Vandy because they get drafted. And so when we talk about like the Vandy pitchers, like uh, uh, Kumar Rocker, who's having TJ or Jack Leiter, things like that, we also forget about the guys who were committed there and got drafted and given big overslot bonuses and went ahead and signed. Last second add in there, right as we were hitting record, Brian let us know that Jefferson Cuero was added to the top 100 list on MLB Pipeline. And a fan of Jefferson Cuero, catcher for the Brewers. He was an IFA in, I think, 2019. I did not have time to pull up notes on this. This is all just off of vibes because, again, as we were hitting record, 
but uh, something where he was already a good catcher, and then now that he's in the Brewers with their catching devil magic, he's even better. The arm is a plus arm, uh, very, very good defensively, and then offensively, he had a line drive approach last year. It was age 19 years, split it between low A and high A. Very much it was, you know, like try to spray line drives from foul pole to foul pole. Ended up being more gap to gap than foul pole to foul pole. And the power started to come in a little more this year. So, uh, got it pulled up here. So he hit 10 home runs in 95 games, again, age 19 between low A and high A. This year, in 25 games in double A Biloxi, he already has six home runs, only has nine extra base hits. So, so some of those doubles in the gaps turned into home runs. Slash line is 283, 323, 511. Some of that comes back to pitch recognition. The on-base is lower because he's doing a better job at identifying this is a pitch that I can drive versus this is a pitch that I can't make quality contact on, but he's still not doing enough to lay off and not swing at some of these pitches. He's only drawn six walks in 25 games. That's why the on-base isn't that much higher from the batting average. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked On MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Till tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.